So, great big good morning to everyone. Great to have you joining me here today. I'm Senior Pastor Chuck Blair, and whether you're joining us as part of our studio audience or whether you're joining us from anywhere across the country, live or archived, I want to welcome you here today. And today we're starting with our Easter series, and I was mentioning to someone this morning, Easter is just this, it's an amazing story. And I feel like every year, you know, trying to, to, to jump into it in new ways, like the story yields all kinds of of perspectives and, and, and hope, as well as just an understanding of life as life is. Life, how life really works, which is sometimes really great and sometimes really challenging. So in that light, welcome to today's service, you know, prayer in the dark, prayer in the dark. So I was, I was thinking about this with, with prayer in the dark as we were getting ready, and, and one of the things that really struck me is I think that's when most of us actually pray. Um, you know, I've never had anyone out in the midst of a great, fantastic, over-the-top, wonderful, beautiful day, having a ton of fun. Give me a call like, Chuck, it's such a good day. Can we just pray together? You know, that's not what happens. It happens in dark times. And isn't it interesting, right, that in the, in the Bible, so much of the two sort of cornerstone stories, the story of Christmas and the story of Easter, the vast majority of both of those stories take place at night. Because we know that, that things happen at night. We know that, that we all go through challenges around darkness. And, and some of them are, are chosen, you know. Uh, you know, some of them are accidental. Uh, some of them are, are mere circumstances. But we all know that we have to go through that, that that's, that's part of our walk of life. Part of our walk of life. So what I want to start out talking about here, we're going to change the lighting a little bit, is, is we're going to start out talking just about the basics around a negative form of darkness and a positive form of darkness. Now, there is a negative form of darkness that we can step into, and, and it's a darkness that's literally bereft of any light. It's a darkness that fills with our fears, you know, I always think of the little ditty lions and tigers and bears, oh my. You know, for those of you Wizard of Oz fans. You know, it's, it's a darkness that feels like it keeps on crawling in on us. It's a darkness that we feel that, that continue to contract us more and more into ourselves. And we see very little there. It was speaking last week, we had a, we had a you know, we do a 10-minute morning devotional you know, and the difference between anxiety and panic. You know, that's, that's an interesting one to sort of play around with. And this is a place that's not only anxious, but it's oftentimes filled with panic as well. And it's important to realize, too, that there's also a life-giving kind of darkness. A darkness that actually does fill with certain kinds of light. A darkness that fills with this Stillness. I mean, it was interesting, folks. We had a beautiful small group on Easter, you know, on the Easter topic. And, and somebody asked the question, yeah, how much of, how much of faith do, do you think is connected with the idea of quiet? I loved that question. <laughs> it's a great question. Because the fact is, a lot of it is connected with stillness and quiet. And that's what maybe we find. Maybe we find a stillness as a light. Maybe we find something that, that, that helps us to look inward. 
Because we no longer can see and be distracted by all the things of light. It actually is a looking inward. And maybe as well in the darkness, another light is a clarity. We start to get a clarity around how life works. A marriage counselor who I really, really think the world of, she had once said, you know, winter even has its beauty. Because what we can see with trees that have no leaves is we can see the outline of the tree. And it's that way with relationships. I think it's that way with darkness. There's a certain, isn't this interesting, right? There's a certain clarity that goes with it. A certain ability to really be able to see. And what is it that we see? Like, we understand there's a negative darkness. We understand there's a positive darkness. It's not even that we always choose. I think sometimes people are in a negative darkness. They're not choosing it. It's it's maybe it's chosen them, and it's a challenge. And we also have to understand there's this positive darkness. And, And our life is oftentimes lived between the two. And what's the point there? Like, what might we become more and more aware of as we step back into a more life-giving view of darkness? And here, I want to start with looking at this line here from John 13:1, A beautiful line. Having loved his own, in other words, it's Jesus talking, loved his own, those who were following him, who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Loved them to the end. That word end is fascinating and that's why again with with translations of language it just it just gives us a whole new way to kind of see how God's trying to speak to us the end there folks the word is Greek word telos which means the aim the point the purpose so it's easy to read, read the end and think, oh, Jesus is talking chronologically. He's talking he loved them until the end of his life. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying something much more beautiful. He's saying he loved them to the fullness of the purpose, the full aim, the whole reason why. You're thinking this in terms of parenting. We can look at things chronologically, and, and that can be this summer we are planning a family vacation for one week at Walt Disney, dot, 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 dot. That's, that's a space and time thing, an end that's far more chronological. But what would it be if we said it in terms of telos? It might be this. Maybe we would share it this way. Maybe we would share it say, you know, our goal is to have a more connected family. You see the difference there? One within space and time, and, and one that's far more broad, that, that's far more loving, that, that, that just helps us to, to move forward in the way God wants us to move forward. And that's where we have to see the Easter story. We have to see it from the end. We have to see it from the purpose. We have to see it from the point. And it's, it's a really beautiful point because it's going to be about love and how do we love and how do we move through the darkness of our lives knowing that we have a God who was there too. Who can literally travel those paths because God was there too. I mean, that's, that's a powerful perspective, a powerful theological way to hold it. When we do that, folks, we start to see that telos as a transformative end. 
It's a point where we, where we understand steadfast love and we've, we've sat with it long enough to allow things to transform. That creates patience. And as the musicians come out here, it creates, I imagine, a bit of stillness as well. It asks us to be still. It asks us to take this time to sit in the dark and to find a prayer in the dark, a prayer that moves us into this telos and through that to the bigger purposes of life. And that's what we're going to be talking about when I come back. So folks, welcome. Welcome to New Church Live. Thank you. Good morning. course there just for a moment let's be still and isn't that so much what prayer's about like just for a moment let's be still and let's look at the bigger pictures of life and let's 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 try to hold them and hold on to them together it was it was interesting 
on Wednesday night, Thursday, Wednesday night, Wednesday night we had a small group, and the small group, again, in this conversation around Easter, and, and the question we used was we all shared this, the answer to this question, what's your resurrection story? And what's amazing, what continues to amaze me about questions like that is people know the answer. It doesn't take a lot of coaching. I mean, how many of us have horrible memories of Algebra 2 word problems? And that's not the way these are. It's, it's, it's questions that, that, that help us to understand and, and to see those sort of those universal patterns of life and darkness and challenge and growth and the very transformation of our lives to become more loving people. We're going to start with this, with the basic core kind of concept around, around Easter. And that's this concept here. The greatest wisdom comes from love. The greatest wisdom comes from love. We want to move our lives to a point, and, and challenges really do this. Challenges really move our lives this way, where over time we get to a point where we just can't figure it out anymore. I was having some fun having a, a conversation with a, with a younger couple, and they were talking about all their hopes and dreams and all the things they were going to accomplish, which is a wonderful conversation. And I made a note to myself, please make sure to make time to talk to them about when none of those things happen. Because that's life too. Because that is life too. And what they'll need in those moments is this, this idea of continually to come back to love and understanding that the greatest wisdom that humanity holds comes from the love that we all share. And as we share that love, we get this idea too, a key piece, that it's a love based on partnership and mutuality. Partnership and mutuality. In this particular denomination, we don't have sort of a hierarchical view of God. We really believe God's desire is to be with us, to walk with us, to walk with you. That's a very different view. It's, 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 it keeps God from being detached. And it makes God very real and very embedded in our lives. And that's why the Easter story, one of the real powers of it, is, is this understanding of, oh yeah, this is a piece here where we can see God working and walking with us as we go through life and go through its challenges and that's where we start today, looking at this part of the story. And it's, it's a beautiful part of the story, Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, if you've never heard of that before. So let's be still for a moment and set the context of that story. The stillness there. Here's Jesus, and he's had these followers, he's done this work, he's been really clear throughout on what the purpose is, what the end is. 
And the end is this idea that at the end of it all, love wins. This, this, end, this idea that the end of it all is, is to be able to say that anger, vengeance, hatred, all the dark parts of the human experience, that, that, that here's Jesus saying, they will end. I will say this will stop. And in that saying this will stop, he creates a whole new way of seeing the world. A whole new way of seeing the world. And this way has been so incredibly significant to people that they, that they established churches, thousands of years worth of churches, who are looking at that very revolutionary message. New eyes, new ears, a new way to see the world, a new way to hold the world. And part of that goes through this very dark time in Jesus' journey. So the Garden of Gethsemane, what, what happens there is Jesus knows that, that again, his, his chronological time is ending. He knows that there's going to be a struggle. He knows all the challenges that are about to occur. And he's there with some of his followers. He asks them, you know, could you please stay awake and pray with me? And guess what? They can't do it. Welcome to the world of humanity. And he offers some beautiful, beautiful prayers there. And I want to look at two things. I want to look both at, at what he prayed for, and then also, and I think this is so significant, what he did not pray for. And maybe out of that, we can have a sense in the stillness and challenging times of life how to reach out and how that might look. So what did he pray for? Here we're looking first at Mark 26. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. That's him talking to those, uh, those followers of his who had come along. And he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. What might that mean? I think, folks, this is about seeing and connecting. So much of the first part of a prayer life, when we're, when we're praying in the darkness, when, when life is really challenging, is this, is this deep human need to be seen. It's why I think it's important for us to not jump in too quickly with a statement, it'll all be okay. That might not be where the person is. This is Jesus saying, look, I feel overwhelmed. I, I literally, the, the, the figure of speech we might use today, I feel like I'm going to die. It's so, so anxious at this time. And just that seeing and that connecting, like when we just, when we just hold seeing and connecting together, that's such a big part of the answer. Just that simple. That seeing and that connecting. It's interesting to watch, you know, how groups work and, and, and just group dynamics around life. And the number of times, folks, where, where I've been blessed to be part of groups who are just there and somebody comes in, like anytime you gather a group of 10 people, there's going to be somebody in there who's had the best day they could ever imagine and somebody who's had the worst. 
And when somebody comes in with a challenge, just simply the act of being seen and connecting with other people, that alone is the magic. It's absolute magic. Because so much of, of a group dynamic is, is not about necessarily even offering solutions. It's that willingness to sit in the darkness with our brothers and sisters. That is a profound gift. And then there's a second part, a second prayer. Going a little farther, he in here, speaking of Jesus, fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. That particular line, friends, is, is so significant in the Bible. Not my will, but yours. It was interesting just over this past week, talking with some folks going through different challenges. And literally over the past three days, in talking with people as pastors do going through challenges, they brought this line up. They were reminding me of this line. They were saying, yep, not my will, but yours, God. That acceptance here, folks, moves us beyond this attempt so much of us have to live lives of, of what we would hope appear as effortless perfection. <laughs> With no bumps, no bruises, and we're able to do it all effortlessly and perfectly. But that's not how life's gonna work. And what does it truly mean to like be accepting of God's will? I don't think it's this. I don't think it's saying, here's this bad thing, this bad diagnosis or bad whatever. I don't think it's looking at that and going like, oh, isn't that a good thing? That's, that's, that's not it. That's actually a little dismissive. I remember way back when, I mean, before I was even a pastor, this was close to probably 15, 16, 17 years ago, and took a group of students down to cook at the Ronald McDonald House. And these students from a very well-intentioned place had come up with a prayer, and it was a prayer where you were to be thankful for your problems. And it was a beautiful prayer. And they wanted to put these out at the table so that families, as they were eating, could pick these up. And I very gently told them, that's very sweet. I wouldn't recommend it. Nobody with a sick kid wants to be told to be thankful for their problems. So why accepting God's will is not necessarily being thankful for our problems. It's being thankful for God's holding in those problems. I think that's what accepting God's will is. And we're going to talk about this a little more next week. So this is a little bit just of a foreshadowing. You know, it's the difference between tests and challenges. 
That's, it's a big difference between a test and a challenge. And yes, we do face life's challenges and that's about growth. Tests are different. Tests are about worthiness. And that's not God's game. That is simply not God's game. So we have those ideas of what God did pray for, and here we can combine them, right? Like, it's, it's this idea of seeing, this idea of connecting. And then maybe we can offer a prayer of acceptance. Here's the challenges. Here's the heartbreak. Will you listen to my heartbreak, friend? Can I share it with you? And then once that's shared, we can take another step of just simply, God, not my will, but yours. That you have this. It's interesting, right? When we step in and we combine those three, like to see or be seen, to connect, to have people around us who can hear it and can hold it. And then we're able as well to to just accept God's will. There's a certain peace. I mean, just think about it for a sec, or maybe better word, feel it for a second. Where we can go under the waves when we can do those things and we can find a peace. A peace not based on the absence of conflict, but a peace based on on something that's happening deep within our souls. And don't lose track. I, I think of the idea that these stories really are about our lives. As I've said, and I've said it, said it every Easter because it just is a miracle to me. When people go through challenges, right, they go through hard times, if you share with them that this might be their Easter, they'll know what you're talking about. And then if there's things to do, because we all, when, when, when hard things happen, we want to do things. Maybe these are just some doable things. Not taskless, but just a simple agenda of can I see? Can I connect? And can I accept? Can I see? Can I connect? And can I accept? Now, shifting gears. One of the things I loved over my years as a teacher was, was, you know, you'd have a document. I loved teaching with documents, and it was always fun to look at. Okay, so this is what was said. Did you notice what wasn't said? Always a fun exercise. In the same vein, there are clearly prayers that Jesus offers. And there's a very stark occasion where he talks about a prayer he didn't do. A prayer he could have said that he chose not to. The context of this prayer is a little bit of a different place. When we were talking over here, we were talking Jesus sitting with with some of his followers, and it's sort of a dark night of the soul, and how does that look? And there's another prayer where he doesn't go, and this prayer, he's in a very different context. He has shifted context here. He's with the head of the government at that time in occupied Israel, a man by the name of Pilate. There's people, there's literally a crowd outside. 
and they're demanding his death, they're demanding his execution. And he offers a very different prayer here. And this is a prayer, again, to somebody who was, who was part of the whole Roman Empire. And he uses these beautiful words. Matthew 26, verses 47 to 56. And this is just part of them pulled out here. What do you think? That I can't pray now to my Father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels. 12 legions of angels. Now, a legion, a legion were 100, 100 soldiers, 100 Roman soldiers. The head of a legion, that's why they're called a centurion, just your little bit of historical knowledge there. So my math's not real good, but that seems to be saying that there will be a whole time, 12 legions, 1,200 soldiers. Don't you think I could call on 1,200 angels? And it's interesting on so many levels because this is Jesus saying, I'm not going to choose that. One of the miracles to me this year, stepping into the Easter story, was this. is Jesus again and again, where he had the option to do the miraculous. And granted, resurrection was the biggest miracle ever. But we're talking about before that, before Easter Sunday, where, where, he had, where he had easy choices to choose the miraculous. What did he do? He chose the human. He chose the human response. Remember I said partnership, mutuality, a God that walks with us like again and again. He's saying, I'm going to walk with you. And I think that's why he makes these responses. So he doesn't call on, on 1,200 Roman soldiers, you know, angelic soldiers. What he does, folks, is what he is doing here is saying no, I think, to a number of things. He's saying no to an immediate form of comfort. I want to stop with that one, just talk about that for a sec. I, I think a lot of us, imagine a lot of us, when we're really in deep pain, I know for me, I want it to stop right now. I want to return to comfort as quickly as I can. That's not how the spiritual life works. And that's not how change works either. I know we all know that. We all know that, that just quick lip service around things really doesn't change much of anything. <laughs> you know, it's the disciplined work and fortitude over time that does, that transforms our lives. So it's not a prayer. Here Jesus has a choice. You know, he could go for, for sort of an immediate comfort and immediacy, you know, this, this immediate solution. And he doesn't choose that. And he doesn't choose power. In a fascinating flip, the, the, the power he chooses is something far different, a different kind of power, power to say no to that. And a power instead to sort of inhabit life on life's terms. 
even the dark recesses of it, where we would much prefer not to go. I was thinking about how this might look. And for many of us, you know, the crisis in the Ukraine has been on our mind. And I, I love this picture here. And it's, it's, it's a picture where we can see legions, you know, power, what all that means. And then we can juxtapose it with that picture of baby strollers. That picture, folks, there of strollers, I think that that picture is maybe this kind of light in darkness. Probably a lot of you are familiar with that picture. That's a picture at a Polish train yard where women brought out baby strollers and left baby strollers there so that moms fleeing could have a stroller, put their child in it. And that that could somehow be a prayer in the dark, right? It's interesting to think of, folks, you know, how that can work, like, like how that can look, what kind of power that Jesus is actually asking us to embrace in our lives. As the musicians come out, the, the, the power I want you to think of is this power, the word chesed, C-H-E-S-E-D. It's the Hebrew word for a love that's covenantal, for a love that's in agreement, for a love that is going somewhere, for a love, friends, that has this, that has a point. We're going to do one of John's songs next, an original tune. Yeah, when I saw the theme for today, I figured, um, <clears throat> speaking of places of stillness and darkness and places of reflection, you know, that's literally why I wrote this song. I was going through a lot of, let's just say hard times. We'll leave it at that generic, you know. But it's about a place, uh, a special place down in North Carolina. And it's a place I go to to remember how I came up and my childhood and a lot of lessons you can carry on into adulthood when things uh, seem turbulent. It's called These Waters.
watch that sunset over Pan Lake or South. Now we go Asheville, Nashville, and westward bound. Asheville, Nashville, and westward bound. Ooh, 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 ooh. I took a giant grass and I walked around. I said, oh, tell me, neighbor, what can you remember about me? Me at 16. She said, John, how can I forget? Holding your mother's hand, singing, here comes the sun and sun. Don't you ever change. Waters Bay Cause it seems time's broaden more than just a watch that sunset over pan they go sound now we go song and, and and that idea of life's journey right and life's journey people will offer things and, and they all say things that'll make a lot of sense and I can still remember when I heard this quote probably many of you know probably most of you know it 
Our choice in life is this. We can curse the darkness or we can light a light. We can curse the darkness or we can light a light. And boy, is it easy to just curse the darkness, right? But here's Jesus saying, no, I, I need you to think about lighting a light. Telos, point, aim, goal, purpose. Loving not just up to that, but loving through that. Part of this, folks, I think, you know, thinking a lot about what is success, right? And yet, how do we just, you know, we can get in this success thing and, and, and we want to do really well. We want to be excellent at everything we do. We want to, and that's a good endeavor, I think, to really do well at what we do so we can help more people. That's all good. And there's a success that has to hold that all, a definition of success, and it comes down to this simple word, resilience. The most successful people, the most successful souls I know are resilient. They would understand this idea of prayer in the dark maybe in a slightly different way. And here, here I, I go to a resident expert on this whole topic, Mother Teresa. And I would take a screenshot of this prayer. It's beautiful. I used to pray that God would feed the hungry or do this or do that. But now I pray that he will guide me to do whatever I am supposed to do, what I can do. I used to pray for answers, but now I'm praying for strength. That's really, really profound. I used to pray for answers. Now I'm praying for strength. She got that, no doubt, out of this story that we just shared together. And that's about, folks, it's, it's deeply embedded in this whole idea of telos, this whole idea of telos, this, this quote here, this is not about power. It is about telos, a love, connection, patience, strength, and courage through which new worlds arise. You know, sometimes I fear that we're losing this idea. And then there's these beautiful reminders that we get it. I mean, it's this weird dichotomy, right? I worry, maybe you worry too, that we're losing this idea of some of the bigger points of life. And then there's also these little shining moments of like, wow, humanity's beautiful. And there is a language that we all share. A telos that weaves us together. Yesterday, start of spring, what a beautiful way to start it with this beautiful baptism. Wonderful family, that's Chris and Britt and little Anya. Now, I need to say, I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, so pierogies are near and dear to my heart. And his family is from Poland, Chris's family, that's his, his parents in the back left, and they made pierogies for the baptism dinner. It was really good. And I just want you folks like looking at that picture for a minute. I love the look to the left of Chris there. That's the new godfather, godparent. Chris and Britt right there in the middle. 
and this was right after the baptism and, and the way we did the, we closed the baptism and some of you have seen us do them here is we close with a, with a laying on of the hands where the family all puts hands on each other's back and then they all go around and they offer a blessing to the baby. And it's beautiful. Kindness. Compassion. Love. Courage. I look at a picture like that and I think that is the telos. That's the point. And it just was there for a couple of minutes, but it was there. I think so much of the challenge, folks, around this, what what Jesus is trying to create, you know, we, we can create communities. We can create communities of interest or we can create communities of commitment and conviction. And our world is is tailor-made to create lots and lots of communities of interest. And it's not that any of that is bad. I think a lot of it's pretty darn good and pretty darn fun. And we also have to be willing to take this journey, this journey of prayers in the dark, because that's where we truly find communities of commitment and conviction, because that is what the world needs, That's what changes the world. I think that's what God intends. And we have to keep on, and this is is me being, like, I'd ask you a little strident about it. I ask you to really think about it. We have to keep on leaning that direction. We have to keep on pulling at that. We're pushing towards that, however you want to say it. Or communities of just based on interest will overwhelm. Mile wide, inch deep. As Richard Rohr famously said, he said, you know, when we're digging wells to, to, to find our spiritual life, are we better off digging a hundred wells, you know, a foot deep, <laughs> or digging one well a hundred feet deep? And I think you know what the answer there is. That's that leaning. That's that pushing. That's where we start to understand telos, but it's, but it's not just telos that holds love out there as just another interest, quote unquote. Just as a, a, a nice, fun kind of TikTok video. It's the first time I've said TikTok in here. Not just as a little TikTok video around love. It's much deeper and richer than that. It's where we really, where we really commit to not just cursing the darkness, but we really commit to lighting a light. That lighting a light, I I love this picture, that lighting a light, maybe it looks something like this. Love his face in that picture. I think with a lot of this, friends, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to think that in life and darkness, that our job is to kind of hold the Easter story out here as we would watch a movie and watch for the good guys to show up. I, I think of, you know, the, uh, the movie Lord of the Rings, and you know there's this, 
This, and it's an old movie. Many of you won't get the reference. I, I know that. And there's this, there's this scene in the movie where sort of the ghost army shows up at the very end and just, you know, wipes out the powers of Moldor. I watch every movie waiting for that army to show up. I watch every movie waiting for that event to happen. In Easter, we can hold at arm's length and do that. Waiting for the good guys to finally show up. Or maybe we can hear in our prayer in the darkness, God with a smile saying this. God with a smile saying this. I'm waiting for you to show up. I'm waiting for you to show up. Not just as a detached prayer in the dark, but as a lived prayer in the dark. As Abraham Joshua Heschel famously said as he's marching with Martin Luther King, this is a quote I use all the time because it's so good. As he's marching with Martin Luther King, somebody interviewed him what he was praying for as he's marching with him, and he said, my legs were praying. Oh, that's good. So there's the world, folks, for us to think about. There maybe is the invitation of the Easter season. So as we go out of here today, think about that. What would it look like today? Yep, we can always curse the darkness. And the most important thing, Brothers and sisters, this week, light a light. Amen. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. And Lord, help us, inspire us to this Easter season, not just to hold the story at arm's length, but to actually live it, to actually inhabit that story, to, to hear what it has to tell us, what it has to show us, how it can guide us. How it can guide us, Lord, to make a difference in this world. How it can guide us to see from love, to understand from a new form of wisdom, to take what is our work to do and to do it exceptionally well so that we can contribute what is ours to contribute, so we can do what is ours to do. Be with us, Lord. Remind us this week of the telos, the point, the aim, the purpose. Let us share that and move forward with it. A light in our hearts, a light that we share. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, bring you peace, and bring you home. Amen. song by the Foo Fighters.
these you give and give again It's times like these you learn to love again It's times like these time and time again Thanks so much. Have a wonderful week. See you soon. Like these, you learn to love again. It's times like these, time, time.